got this. We can, I can use both. I can use this one. Awesome. Great. Um, I'm Bo, one of the pastors here. Welcome, Zoom family and Facebook and community that's here. And um, we've got some friends. They're a part of, um, a, as a church, we try, we, we long to affiliate with like-minded people for the things of, for good, the kingdom of God to advance everywhere around the world. And we have Julie and Royce Flaming with us today. We're kind of partners with them. We love what they're, what they're doing. And, and, and they're calling in from Minnesota, I believe, or Wisconsin, or somewhere, you know, right? Somewhere in that kind of location. Um, and invited Julie and Royce. Julie was uh, attending Genesis back in like 2003 and has continued as all of us to kind of sense, all right, God, what are you up to? And we invited Royce and Julie to share this morning. They've gone through a transition and they've been trying to discern calling. And, and, and they've done that. So you need to know that we're going to use a lot of coded language because <laughs> this is on Facebook. Um, and there's parts of some things that they're doing that we cannot speak explicitly um, about. And there's areas where they're going. So with that, I want to let you know there's some, like, you know, they're called international workers. So we're inviting some international workers. And so hopefully you'll be able to read between the lines. If you're like, I don't understand what you're saying, Bo. Don't understand why they're talking. Join us on Thursday night at 7 p.m. on Zoom. If you go to the eBlast link this week that comes out on Thursday, you'll see a link on Zoom to hear more explicitly and candidly them share their story and what God's doing in a conversation. It's going to be at 7 p.m. on Zoom, not put on Facebook. Um, on Thursday night, if you get our email, it will be in the e-blast that comes out this Thursday. And at 7 p.m., they're going to be sharing. But I want to invite them to share here about the transition and discerning God's call. Does that sound good, Julian Royce? That makes sense? I'm going to hand it to you guys. To say, you've been going through a transition. And would you share that with us and how you've been discerning God's call? I know I'm looking at you, but they see the back of my head. They're up there now. Yeah, well, first we want to, I think when we think about God's calling, often we think about like, what is God calling us to do? And I think we need to realize that there's kind of two parts to, to calling. Like, um, I can't remember what the, the girl's name was that just shared her testimony, but our, our first call really is who is God wanting us to be? And the most important thing is to be obedient to him and to identify ourselves first and foremost as a child of God. And that is our number one calling. And then how, what we do is really secondary to that. And there's lots of different things that we can do that are pleasing to God that will still fulfill our calling in growing more and more Christ-like and becoming more and more like him. Um, and so we had to, we had to leave where we were living overseas the end of 2019. And then in this past year and a half, trying to figure out, okay, where, where are we going to go and what are we going to do? Really, the world is open to us. The world is open to us. And we really can do anything within our abilities. We could do anything. What is that? And it kind of, it really felt though, like it wasn't like there was this one specific thing that we had to find that God had hidden it and that we had to find it. And 
that God was just waiting. Well, I hope they find that one thing because otherwise I'm not going to be happy with them or I'm going to be displeased with them. And if they don't find that one thing, then they're not in my will. But it didn't feel like that. And I think often we we have this, this unneeded angst, like God is mean and he's hiding what he wants us to do. And I, that's not true. Um, really, it and it felt like it was, kind of like this big playground that God had opened, you know, that, that was open to us. And we could go and figure out which, you know, we had to choose only one thing, only one kind of playground equipment, but we could choose anything that we wanted to. And maybe it wouldn't be a great fit, but God would use that. And if it was a really bad idea, then God would, you know, make that playground equipment break or, <laughs> or somehow, you know, make it rain and wash away all the chalk so you couldn't play four square or whatever, you know, like God would, you know, make that obvious that that was a really bad idea. And if we chose something that wasn't our best fit, like, you know, we're playing on the rings and it turns out we have no upper body strength. Maybe that's not a great choice for us. You know, it's not like that there's a lot of grace in that and that God will use that to also um strengthen our character and it's not like okay well then that just shows that you have no place in the playground you better just get off but there's actually a lot of grace and like let's figure out what is the best way what what, what is going to be a better a better fit for your abilities and everyone's cheering you on and it's not like they're just waiting for you to fall and laughing at you they want you to do well um in, you know our colleagues and our friends and family they're they're wanting you to do well not just waiting for you to fail and I think, and that is just really freeing, figuring out what it is, what it is that you can do. And those things that it's like we try and maybe they're not going to be a good fit. God still uses those things. Yeah. And for me personally, yeah, we felt that we could go and do almost anything. And so um, uh, I also did some career counseling as well. And um that kind of also helped me kind of decide, is this, do I want to continue doing what I'm doing or do I want to change and do something completely different? And, you know, as I pressed on doors and asked people whom I trusted and then pressed on those doors a little bit more, some of those people said, yeah, we, can, we would like you to jump in and join us, even though you don't have a lot of experience. It's okay. We can, we can, I think we think that we can use you. And so it's kind of a, it can be fun and, and uh, uh, scary at the same time that, okay, uh, God maybe has something new for me, something different. Um, he can, he's maybe using uh, other people who have more experience or wisdom in an area to help guide and direct me. Um, like one of my uh, favorite verses is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. So um it's been a really interesting experience. It's been a lot of ups and downs, but it's exciting and it's exciting to see where God's going to lead us next. Where is it? I think you can hear me now, right? Where is it that you're going next? Where are you? We are going to go to. Yeah, we were living in another place in Asia and we're going to move to Chiang Mai, Thailand. Awesome. Uh, it, it, just as we have this context here, so we're going to, we're creating a call on Thursday night to hear explicitly 
what they're doing, the kind of work as international workers that they're going to be doing, what, you know, and as I was talking with Julie, so much of it feels normal, right? It's like cooking and eating and living and the normal day-to-day things, but in this place, right? And, and putting their hands to specific work. So they're going to Thailand, it's international workers, discerning calling. So if you want to hear more about this, you feel there's something that's connecting you to Julian Royce, that you have a heart for Thailand, you think Asia is cool, you just are bored and you want to be a part of a conversation on Thursday night about calling and discerning that and about the playground. If you want to talk about playground equipment, come on Thursday night at 7 p.m. on the Zoom call and, and join us, right? Julian Royce, um, I, I kind of said, like, um, at times when people would join into the communities, they would say, hey, do you, do you, do you, got, a, you got a word? Do you have something? What, what has God been saying to you? And um, is there something you might want to share with us? And so is there something the Lord has been pressing upon you um, as you've been reading the scriptures or sitting with God that you would just want to say, hey, I don't know if this is for you or not, but this is what's been standing out to me with God. Yeah, so um, first I just want to share my, my favorite verse is um, what Peter says to Jesus after Jesus has, has fed the 5,000 and then he travels back to this other place. People have followed him. They're asking for more bread. They want him to see another, they want to see another miracle. And then he has this really difficult conversation where he says, drink my blood and eat my flesh. And it just sounds like he's saying crazy things and people start leaving. And he turns to the, to the disciples and says, do you guys also want to leave? And Peter says, who else can we go to? Where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And it's just that encouragement that even when crazy things are happening, even though it seems like God is doing crazy things and we don't understand who he is, we can trust his character and we can trust his word. And I think with that in our, in our whole lives, and especially in this past time, um, just more and more of a, of a passion. I think this, this year and a half where we've had to figure out our calling um, has helped us to kind of refocus our vision. Not that we did, it was completely out of focus before, but just to refocus our vision and um, once again, really fall in love and understand the importance of the, the word of God. And Yeah, I was, I just kind of had a thought last night as I was talking with Julie about God's word and how important it is. Um, when I was young, I did a lot of uh, children's programs, uh, memorizing, memorizing verses and things like that. And I thought, oh, that's really good. That's really important. And then as you get older, you know, sometimes those verses come back to you in your head. And then I was thinking about it a little bit more. And I thought, you know, that's really good. But um, it's really important to have those verses in the context of what the scripture is and like what that writer was actually saying. Because, I mean, sometimes if those little snippets of scripture are pulled out of context, you could almost make God say something he's not saying. And we could end up believing things about God that aren't necessarily true. And on the flip side, you could not realize how awesome God truly is if you don't understand the context in which a certain verse was written. So that was just something that, that hit me just last night about, wow, I mean, I mean, God's, God's word is really, really important. And if, without it, we are totally and completely lost. And we need to have his word hidden in our heart because we've also been kind of learning, you know, when there's some sort of scary 
fight or flight situation or traumatic event or something sad or something, your emotions take over and you're, un you're literally unable to think logically. And so you need to have his word hidden in your heart mm. because that's not the time to figure out who God is and what did he promise. You're not going to be able to really to do it then. So in your, in the rest of your life daily, you need to have his word in your heart, meditating on it, knowing what he says. And so when those times come, you're like you're completely ready, you're, you're ready. And those, those, those promises and the trusting in his eternal word and of eternal life and trusting in his character is, is, is ready to, to sustain you because he is able and he is worthy and he is all that he says he is. But if you don't know what he said he is, you can't grab onto that as your lifeline. Awesome. Thank you guys. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Royce. Um, so they're heading to Asia with their two daughters, right? They've been trying to discern that, that the world is this playground to be able to join with God and what God is doing in the world. Very similar to what Quinn was sharing with us, right? Of like saying, oh, God is at work, right? He is, and, and, and all of us and all around of us. So thank you. Join us on Zoom on Thursday night at 7 p.m. And it'll be a conversation. Maybe you're processing. You heard something that you want to take some steps in. And so join on Thursday night at 7 p.m. That link to the Zoom one is in our weekly email. If you don't get that, let us know and we'll, we'll, we'll get that to you. God, thank you for Julian Royce. God, thank you that you're the God who calls us and who sends us and who does so out of love and excitement and joy. We continue to pray your kingdom come, Lord. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Allison Kineza, and I'm here with a couple of announcements. So for those of you who are viewing on Facebook or um, are here, uh, this is the time that we would normally ask you to pull out the green card, but instead we're gonna ask you to go to genesisthechurch.org and fill out the green card online. And this is how you get connected, right? This is how you get that email on uh, every week that comes out. So if you wanna come to the Zoom meeting with Julian Royce, um, sign up on the green card and let them know that you're, you want that link. Um, and if you're on Zoom, uh, you can just click the poll that comes up on Zoom. And I would encourage those who are interested in hearing more about what Julie and Royce are doing. I've known Julie for a really long time, and I always appreciate hearing about the work they're up to. All right, if you want to receive text messages, if email's not your thing, that's okay. Um, we have text updates, and you can get those by texting the keyword Genesis Texts. There's an S at the end there, um, no space, to 94000. Um, I literally had to email Jenna and be like, how does it work? How do you do that? It's, it's that simple. You literally just text that word to that number for all those older folks out there, um, like myself. All right, Memorial Day weekend is coming up. It's next weekend. So if uh, everyone here is invited to come camp at Camp Lael, which is up in the pier. And if you have not been there, it is kind of your traditional um, like residential camp, right? But the beautiful thing is on Memorial Day weekend is that it's all ours. And so if you um, just wanna come for the day, if you wanna come for the whole weekend, you can bring a tit a tent, a trailer, a camper, or you can rent a cabin if sleeping outside isn't your thing. But it's a beautiful spot. It's a great opportunity to get away and just to have good food and hang out with lots of folks. 
If you have uh, questions or want to make reservations, uh, reach out to Vicki Brown or Jody Elin for more information on Memorial Day. I'm sure their info will be in the email. And at this, this is the time we would normally take the offering, but we're not doing that these days uh, in you know, physically passing the plate. So uh, we thank you for all the donations that have been made online. Um, if you are here and you do have a physical donation, there is uh, a box at the back. Now it's time to release the treehouse kiddos. So stand up, head to the back. Someone will be there for you in just a second. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Well, happy Shuvaot. Yeah, oh, yeah, um, happy Pentecost. So uh, today is this like raucous holiday. Like, uh, you know, it goes like St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo, Shuvaot, right? Um, it's a Jewish holiday. It's 50 days after Passover. And it's the, it's the day that a lot of people, it's called the Festival of Weeks. That's what it means in Hebrew, Shuvah, it's the Festival of Weeks. Seven weeks after Passover. And what is significant in this is that there's a whole history of this within um, the early forefathers of Judaism, right, of Israel. Uh, and as well into the lineage of the church of Jesus, right? Jesus died was crucified around Passover, and 50 days later, the, the, the disciples are gathered in an upper room, and the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost, on Shuvaot. So, can you say, Happy Shuvaot? Yeah, there you go. Well done. Uh, we just finished up Jonah, and we're kind of there today, but I wanted to spin into, because um, through this day, Pentecost is kind of the birthday we would say this, the church, right? And, and I love birthdays. My, I just had a son born, right? So it was a birthday on Cinco de Mayo, right? And uh, so we want to spend a little bit of time there. And I might be a little bit just kind of all over the place. I last a couple of nights ago, I got four hours of sleep. Last night, I think I got like seven, right? It's like the world is good. I'm the greatest parent in the world, right? Uh, no. Thank you, Jesus. But today... As we, as we look at Jonah, and when Dan brought out in this book of Jonah, for those of you who know it, right, God does this miraculous work through this impassioned proclamation of Jonah. Uh, God's going to destroy the city, right? And the people repent, um, and God moves in his mercy. And Jonah gets mad, right, and has this conversation with God, and it ends abruptly with no answer. And you kind of wonder what happens. Interesting enough, if you read in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 16, the story of Jesus' resurrection, it actually ends abruptly. Incredibly abruptly. Right? So if you read this in, in, in Mark 16, it's kind of interesting, and some of us get weirded out by this kind of stuff. But I think this stuff is cool. Jesus, it was the Sabbath, Jesus was crucified, right? And it was after the Sabbath, so that would have been Sunday, this day, that the disciples, so Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Simone brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus' body after he was crucified, laid in the tomb, right? Very early on the first day of the week, Sunday that would be, 
just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the very large stone that was very large had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were, ter- they were afraid. Now there's a little parenthesis at the end of this, um, at the end of this text. If you read in your Bible, it says this. The earliest manuscripts and some other ancient witnesses do not have verses 9 through 20. Meaning that there was early manuscripts where that's where it ends. Right? That's how Mark ends and there's others that go on to say, oh no, Mary and them went and, they, and two other disciples saw Jesus on the way and they give some of the great commission. But yet it ends with this verse, trembling and bewildered. The women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Most are very uncomfortable with that last verse. They're kind of like, why would you end the story of Jesus that way? Well, because because there's a history. We know the story doesn't end there. But it leaves it with like, they went away, what happens? Now, someone, now again, this is all people sort of wrestling with these kinds of things of the Bible. And so there's tons of theories and that somebody wrote in some other stuff, right? Another disciple came in and said, hey, we probably need to add some more things in here. Uh, It was not my son. Had he written on the original manuscripts, he would have drawn tanks. So I know it wasn't him. But somebody added this, right? Added some stuff. What they added was true, was accurate, was good, and is useful. But if we know the story, which we do, there is a reach. And the gospel has reached every generation, people groups and places. This is what we know is happening. You're here. You're here because Jesus has reached you. That's what we know has happened. So when I think about this story and it ending so abruptly... You have to ask yourself, what happens next? That's the same thing that happens in Jonah. It leaves us saying, what's next? What's next? So I've been thinking about reach. And so, um, do you know that like on the basketball and other things, they, they measure your reach, right? Like your, your, the span of your arms. Jenny, has that ever happened with you? You ever gotten measured your reach? Who has the biggest reach here? Who thinks they do? I mean, Dan's, like, I think the Dan's, anybody in here say, no, 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 I have abnormally long wingspan, I have the biggest reach in this place. Dan, come up here, anybody else think they can test Dan for the biggest reach? Danny Glander, you got, you got a pretty good reach? All right, all right, Dan, give, give us your wingspan, put it out there. That's Dan's reach, let me see about me. Okay, is that the end there? <laughs> uh, 
stretch me, folks, right? Can anyone, does anyone have a bigger reach than Dan Buttry? Dan the man Buttry with the biggest reach, right? James, are you coming up for this? <laughs> you coming for the reach test? All right, let's, let's see. You see who's got the reach? No? Okay. All right, so there's the reach. So we're thinking about reach. Now, reach, our reach is not just that, right? That's, that's, that's insignificant unless you are, you know, a professional athlete of some kind or you've got abnormally tall cupboards or something, right? Or who knows? But there's another idea of reach, your reach of your life. Okay, so I uh, was listening to NPR and I was listening about this rock star in Iceland, now, not a, not a literal rock star. He's a rock star in Iceland, but he's a poet and environmentalist. <laughs> and his name is Andre Magnuson. And yet, if you were in Iceland and you heard that he was speaking, you would see, oh, this guy's a rock star in Iceland. And, and I was listening, and, and he's been talking about climate change. And that's what drew me in to the conversation. And so if you want to search for him, you should. His storytelling... His stuff is, is beautiful. I, I was reading because in, in Iceland, and I, I, I think it was in the last few years, they put up a monument on this glacier. That, so a glacier is something that is able to move under its own weight, but it's massive. And when it stops moving and it stops doing that, they say it's dead. Right? And there's all these glaciers and stuff there in Iceland. And so the people of Iceland are saying, wow, these glaciers are dying. And this is one of the glaciers we knew that was moving and that was now died. And so they did a funeral for it. And they put up a memorial for this glacier, and Andre Magnuson was the one who, like, pinned it. And, and what it is, it's like, it's like this marker in time that kind of says, we know what has happened here. We recognize this death. And we recognize the seriousness of this moment. And we want to mark this place... Because this will be a marker of when we said we know this is happening. And the future will tell if we've done anything about it. Because they say in the next 200 years, the, the, the vast majority of all glaciers could have melted. Causing ocean acidification. Now again, if you're like, well, I, I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. Like if you want to talk more about this, I, I think this is a gospel issue. Um, and something that we should be concerned about, right? As God has told us to do so. But, but again, he's like, hey, this is going to be this marker of, this, of whether or not we did something. And 200 years from now, they'll look at this and they'll look at the people and say, did they do anything about this? In the same way that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this marker that say, did anybody do anything? And what this has to do with your, uh, my participation in this is my reach. Now, many of us are not um, inspired by thinking out a hundred years into the future. Right? We just don't have the concept, right? We, we, we think Mad Max and we think of a weird world and all this kind of stuff. So we, we really can't think. Of the, most of us don't have the imagination to think about the future. We don't see people. So you know what we have to do? We have to look at the past. And, and, and Andre Magnuson says, we've got to look to the past. And, and you look at the past people who have influenced you. 
who had an influence on your life. You were their reach. Right? And so we, we, get to, we look at these stories of these people who had great influence on our lives, who shaped us, who loved us, and the impact that they had. And so when you wanna, if you want to do a mathematical equation about a hypothetical of your reach, what you would do is, um, for me, my reach, and again, this is all hypothetical, right? But this is giving us an imagination to understand, to put a face to the future for people we love. So I just had a son that was born on Cinco de Mayo. Now, I will influence him for his life, but my reach will more than likely, God willing, would be one of his children. And so we'll say, we'll give that child to be born 30 years, hypothetically. So 2050, God willing, I would have a grandson. I will be nearly 80. And if the Lord blesses me with more years, I will be able to influence that son or daughter, grandchild, in whatever way, and that child will be my reach. And if God willing, that child is able to live 90 years, those 90 years are my reach. So 90 years on to 2050 is 2140. That's my reach, hypothetically, right? That's the reach of influence. And in 2040, there's someone that I love and that I know, and there's a face to them. That's my, that's my reach. I can see this person. I can have an imagination. Now, some of you are like, oh, wow, my, my, right, my, I'm in the last stages of my reach, and my reach is the, the lifespan of this person, right? That, that, that's, our, that's our reach. What has happened, there's been people who have been in our lives whose reach has spanned into us because they loved us. And they joined in what God was doing. Here's the thing, even though Dan has this great reach, it's so limited. Every one of us, our reach is so limited. What we celebrate today when we read this story about, when we look to the past about what God has done through, through, through Jesus and that is about a God who's stepping in again and again and reaching out to people. God who is going after people. And what's so beautiful is that he includes us. I mean, Quinn, that was what your testimony was. It was like, oh, my identity. I'm a beloved of God. First and foremost. Oh, he loves me. More than I'll ever know. So much that God would say, everything that is mine is yours. I hold nothing back for you. My children, nothing. All right, that, that's beloved. But, let's also say, but I, I want you to come with me. Be, be about what I'm doing. I have good for you to participate in. And all along, God is the one who is doing it. This isn't about you doing anything spectacular. It's about God doing this thing. Hey, I want to include you. Come and see Come and participate in the reach of God, which is all of eternity. Your life is but a breath. When you ask people who have lived to be 100 years, you say, hey, is life long or short? 
question, do you know what the majority of their answers are? Short. We have this reach, though, to influence. Not as perfect people, right? But as people who would join with God when he was doing. And what I love about this day, it invites us at Pentecost to look back to the past and say, wow. God has been on this journey of continuing to reveal his love and his goodness and his compassion and his care for so many. And he's continuing to pull other people into the story to join with him. And we are on this journey and in the story. And your reach is about us saying yes to that love and participating in what God has with us so that we could be voices of hope and love and influence others for their good. So let me go to this story as we think about, um, this is the story of Pentecost, Acts 2. So it said that when this day came, they are all gathered together in this room. The Holy Spirit falls upon them. They all begin to speak in gibberish, right? They don't even know what they're saying, but other people begin to hear them, and what they hear is the most awesome Praise to God. All these people are bewildered. And they come. And then Peter stands up and is like, oh my gosh, do you know what you just heard? And he proclaims Jesus. And he talks about Jesus the Messiah. And in this day, 3,000 people believe, repent, turn. Turn from their sin, confess, and grab a hold. 3,000. Did, did anybody do anything? Nope. Right? They just saw this reach of God through their gibberish. Right? Through them just being like, oh, I don't even know what we're saying. And yet God was drawing people. You know, in the story in Acts 2, when it talks about this church and this movement, it says they like, gathered together and they worshiped and they broke bread. Uh, and they gave what they had to others that they saw need. And the last line in Acts 2, 47, they were praising God, enjoying the favor of the people in the Lord. Added to their number daily, those who were being saved. God did it. This is God's reach. See, God invites people to join him in his mission. So we hear about Julie and, and Royce and Quinn talking about that. But it's God who's doing the work. See, the story of Jonah was just like God inviting Jonah, and Jonah was jacked up. Jonah has this great kind of a thing, and he's ticked off. He's mad. Right? This is the people that God chooses to bring with him. When I look at my story, and my story of knowing Jesus and those who shared Jesus with me, I, I had a family who embraced me and shared the story of Jesus with me, and the husband was a total racist, told me my first racist joke, right? I, I mean, these are jacked up people, but yet they were sharing Jesus. They were, like, like, they, like, they were flawed to be, but yet God is saying, hey, here's my journey. Here's these kids. Love them. And so this part was kind of like, oh, this is kind of messed up. Yeah, we're messed up people. And then I think of my first church experience. Uh, I was visiting a small church in Missouri. Um, and, the, and I kind of find the church just crumbled. But I loved, I loved being there. I loved to hear about Jesus. 
and these people were influencing me, the pastor and his wife. And the church crumbled because like, the, the pastor's wife got into beauty contests, got really crazy into them, and it weirded everybody out, and the church kind of broke up, right? You know, these are the stories of those who have influenced us. Because the story is really never about them, is it? It's about God. God is the one who's reaching for us. And so when we read this story of Jonah kind of being kind of messed up, it's like, well, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> and God's in inviting you and me, kind of messed up, to join in his work for the reach of people. This is God's work. So what's your reach? Well, it's God's. But are you longing to participate? Let me end with just a little bit of hope in this. So I, as I was telling you, I was, re, I was um, really inspired. And I, I, those of you who we get to be around each other, I, I, I'm evangelist. Anything I love, I share. Right? So if that's food, if that's what I'm reading, if that's what I'm watching, if I like something, you're going to hear about it. You may not want to hear about it, but I'm going to talk about it. I, that's just what I do. Right? So if that's Jesus, what I'm hearing from God, or this guy, Andre Magnuson, right? And so I was reading his articles, and he uses a lot of Icelandic mythology as a way of telling story. And I find it fascinating. And one of the stories, because he's trying to motivate people to actually do something deliberate change, especially when it comes to actually the climate change idea, right? They're kind of like saying, or he calls it um, not, uh, climate emergency, Right, uh, and wants to and motivate people to do something. And my wife and I are caring about this and trying to figure out, well, what do you do? We recycle, and we don't even think that actually gets used in any good way. Um, but we started composting. That's a huge thing for CO2 footprint and things like that. And there's some services that you can do so. If you're interested in hearing about that, they will drop off a five-gallon bucket, and they'll pick it up every week in order to, so you're not throwing away food waste into the trash, which also emits all sorts of things that just isn't good. So if you want to learn more about that, sidebar, come and talk to me. But mythology. He, there's this Icelandic mythology about um, the devil, Right? And about a woman making a deal with the devil in order for her life to be better. But yet the deal goes like this. Hey, I'll make your life easier for now, but in exchange, you have to give me your next born. Right? That's, that's the deal. And there's these stories and these mythologies about certain people who tricked the devil. Right? Out of which they bargained. Andre goes on to say, wow, this mythology has a strange ringing that's true today. And he says, wow, many of us have made this deal with the devil that makes our lives easier, with the dark forces of coal and industrialization, right? And, and the one that we have given up for the advancements and the ease of life that we now do so is our next born. And he says, oh, and the devil's coming to claim them. So you must do something to outwit them. Interesting motivation, right? Here, here's where the gospel kind of, when I was, I was reflecting on that story, and that motivates me. So I think, wow, yeah, many of us have, been, have made this deal. In the same way that Adam and Eve had this deal, it's like, hey, your life's going to be easier, right, if you make this deal. But it brought destruction to them and to their next of born. It passed down again and again and again. And we have to think, how do we outwit 
How can we outwit the evil one and the destruction and the brokenness that has come? The story that we know through the gospel is like none of us can. We can't outwit the evil one that is going to take claim to our next born. Right? But yet, this is this beautiful picture of the gospel morphed into Icelandic mythology. So what does God do? How does God tell us to outwit the evil one who's going to take our firstborn, right? Or our nextborn? It's like, no, no, no. I'll send my firstborn. Right? I'll send my firstborn. And I'll put an end to this to free, to free all, God willing, with the next generations who would come and trust. The future is hopeful for the one who sent his firstborn to set us free from the terrible agreement that we made that brought destruction upon us. See, this is the one who has the reach over humanity, right? Jesus, whose reach will span from all time and be faithful. And yet God is inviting us to say, wow, look what God has done. Would you join and proclaiming this good work of God to the next generation so they too could be set free from this fear, set free from this thing, think they must outwit the evil one. Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you give us. Thank you for Jesus that you sent your firstborn. It's the way you even told the story to us that we could even try to understand it, that we could try to fathom this love of yours. You sent your firstborn to save the world, your only child in flesh, to redeem us from death, sin, and the deceiver. And this is the only way. But you have made a way. Thank you, God. God, thank you for your reach that has since the resurrection of Jesus, this proclamation has gone forth, and somehow we heard it, and our hearts said yes. As Julie was sharing with us, some have heard it and said, what? But yet, we hear it and we say, where else are we going to go? These are the words of life. Jesus, you are our life. God, thank you. Thank you for liberating us. Thank you for what you have birthed. Thank you, God, for your reach that reaches us. God, thank you for your reach that reaches our neighbors, our grandkids, our great-grandkids, that you talk about that your reach is to the thousand generations. That's your reach. Ours is puny. But yet, you welcome us to reach with you. You invite us to reach with you, to walk with you, and to see your embrace and your goodness. So, Lord, reach out. Today, would you reach out your, to, to sons and daughters here, that you'd grab a hold of them and remind them that they are yours, as Quinn reminded us. For those, God, who are forgetting on Zoom and Facebook and that, and they wonder, reach for them, Lord, and grab a hold. Their future is theirs, yours. Their family is yours. Their next step, it's yours. You've got them. 
Confirm it, God. Whisper to them. And Lord, for those who said yes, would you show us the playground? At grocery stores and in our neighborhoods and apartment complexes and schools and to join with you, to see you reaching for others and you inviting us to join you. God, we pray your kingdom come. So God, we know that you are always the God who's on the hunt, always pursuing. It was the stories you told. And so today, give us eyes to see where you're at work, where you're pursuing, whom you're seeking. And maybe be curious and join you there. May we be willing to share our own stories, pointing to the past of how we've experienced you and your love. Amen. So church on Zoom, on Facebook here, it was great to be with you on this holiday. So here's, here's the story I would love for you to share today. It's a birthday. It's the birthday of the church that you are a part of. And so I would love for you to remember. Go back. Remember. And here's the story I want you to tell. What was your life like before Jesus? Again, you don't have to, just, what was it like? A few words, describe it. Before Jesus. How did you meet Jesus? Tell someone that story, how you met Jesus. Jesus reached for you, and you felt it, and saw it, and heard it. Then share, how has your life changed because of Jesus? Tell someone that story. It's a good story. Now again, not the five-hour story. Tell them the three-minute. What was your life like before Jesus? When did you meet Jesus? How did you meet Jesus? How has your life changed because of Jesus? These are birthday stories in the same way that when people's birthdays come, you talk about their birth. Share that story with someone. If you're here, share that story here. My life before Jesus was I just trying to find my way, right? Trying to, trying to figure things out. Thought I was kind of on my own and was a little bit spooked because of that. Didn't know my right from my left, literally. I have to do this. You ever taught this? You know why I do this? Because this makes the L, and that's my left. I'm even left-handed. Don't know my right from my left. Every time it's like, Siri's like, turn right. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> right? I don't know my right from my left. Goodness, right? I don't know which way I'm supposed to go. Here, one second, I'll be done, and we'll talk. Hey, that, that was my, but when I meet Jesus, I was 15. I heard about that love of Jesus. I heard about Jesus who wanted my life and was like, man, I, <laughs> I'll help you discern your rights from your lefts. But I want your life. I want it. I met Jesus in this little Nazarene church when I was 15 years old. And I heard Jesus saying, give me your life. I'll take it and I'll give you mine. I, and whatever comprehension I had, I said yes to that. And I tell you how Jesus has changed my life. It's like, 
even though I haven't known where I'm going, and I still can't see that far, right? I know no future. I don't know what's next. But the Lord has guided me. And I've gone, as Julie was saying, I've gone to some really dumb places where I didn't have much skill or resources in that, and yet the Lord has guided every step of the way. And I feel like I've been on this journey of like, how has the Lord changed me? I'm a turtle on a fence post. I have not gotten wherever I've gone by myself. Right? The Lord has kind of taken it and fulfilled his promise. I'll take your life and I'll guide you. I tell you what, man, that has added a whole lot of peace daily. When I still look to the future, I can get a little freaked out because I wonder, Lord, are you going to be faithful? But as I look at the last 48 years, I say, oh my. And as I look at the last millennia, I say, yeah, you've been faithful. Your reach is forever. So that's my story. What was my life like before Jesus? How did I meet Jesus? And how's my life changed from Jesus? Share that today on this birthday of the church and the birth of you in it. May God bless you, community, Zoom, Facebook, and here. Have a, have a great Sunday. We will be here again next Sunday. We're going to be here on these Sundays. So as you come, and we're going to be on Zoom too, we'd love to have you. Go in the peace of God. And on Zoom, you should be able to chat now if you want to.